Thanks, guys. That's really good to take that up. So, nice to see the young men doing it, eh? Go, boys. Yeah, another clap. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. I uh, just wanted to let everyone know that next week, obviously, it's Easter. We've been talking about that. We've got our Good Friday service, which is at what time, everyone? 9 a.m. And our Sunday service is at? 9.30. Very good. This side's awesome. That's my favourite side of the church. <laughs> Kidding. Um, this is my favourite side. <laughs> Where my wife's sitting. Now, um, we're going to do something on Easter Sunday, and, it's, and what it's called is the flowering of the cross. All right? So what I want you to do next week is bring some flowers from home, like whatever's in your garden, cut them off. If you don't have any flowers, maybe you've got some colourful foliage or something pretty that you might, might want to bring. And we're going to have a cross up the front, and you'll have opportunity to actually attach the flowers to it, um, what we're going to do. I'll let everyone know. Is we're gonna, it's usually details, people. You know, I tell them, hey, we're going to do the flowering of the cross. Yeah, what's the purpose of it? I'm like... It looks good. <laughs> but there is a purpose that, that from death, life came. All right? And so as we decorate that cross, it's going to look beautiful. From this stark wooden cross to the beauty of what Jesus did to us. So remember that next week. You're going to bring some... I'll, I'll send out an email as well. But what are you bringing next week? Some flowers or some foliage? Yeah. See that side again? They're on fire this morning. Um... <laughs> I think it's actually Nikki. She's very vocal there. Very good. Um, so journey to the cross. Oh man, just the more and more I think about God's amazing love for us, the more I melt before Him. Hey, eh? um, can you believe that we were sinners once, saved by grace? That we were lost. Now we're found, that we were dead, now we're alive, that we're trapped in sin, but now we're free. How good is that? And, and the way that, that Jesus did it was by giving us grace, the ability to be able to enter into his presence again. Um, I was thinking about it this week, and, and in terms of, of prisoners and things like that, what, what would it mean? What, what, did, what was God's heart behind the cross? Have you ever wondered that? Because it can come across quite easily that, um, yeah, I've got to say it, that God is all about us being good. Has that ever come across to you in your life? That Jesus died for my sin, so he took all my sin, all the bad stuff I'd done, whatever, and God's actual purpose behind that is so that he can now control how I act. Have you ever felt like that? You know, that, that now that the, I've received Jesus, it's all about these rules of do and don't do and things like that. And so you felt that's what your Christianity is about. Now I've entered into this life of you can do that, you can't do that, and all of a sudden it's like this strict little prison that I live in, which is totally opposite to what God actually intended by the cross through the grace that he gave to us. You see, it's like... Um, again, that story this morning just brings it right out that the purpose of Christ dying for our sin is not so that we could be good little boys and girls and not do anything wrong. 
the purpose of him dying for our sins was this, that we were separated from him. And that broke his heart so much that he had to think of a way that we could get back into relationship with him. It wasn't about our goodness or badness. It was about, guys, I love you. You have a broken relationship with me, the only way to fix it that I can think of, and I'm God because I know everything, is to send my son Jesus Christ as a sacrifice to take the sin of the world upon himself. And as I said, it's not so that we could be good little boys and girls. We will be as God's heart works through us and his love overwhelms us because we're doing it out of love. But the point is not that we could be good. The point was that we could have relationship with him again. Yeah, hallelujah, all right. That's the point. And so often we can even miss that as Christians. We, we, we get into this state as, as um, Paul wrote to the Galatians and he said, what has happened to you guys? You started the journey of Christianity in faith. You believed Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, the grace that comes from him. You started off so well, you understood who God was, but now you're getting trapped back in sin. What's wrong with you? Who's bewitched you? In fact, he said in, in um, the King James Version, who's bewitched you? Who's put a spell on you to think that now that you're a Christian, that everything you get is because you are being a good person? You've forgotten something. And this is one of those, as we went to the journey to the cross, part of that journey is that grace had to be released from the Heavenly Father towards us. But what does that really mean for me today as a Christian, as a non-Christian as well, somebody who hasn't believed in Christ Jesus? Let's look at um, a couple of reasonably long passages here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And I might just read the next passage as well. Romans 5, 15 and 16. Oh, sorry, 17 18. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin, one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. What really strikes me with both of these passages is it doesn't talk about the good and bad. It does talk about sin. We talked about that last week, how confronting it was, that how bad sin is what it does, how it destroys the world, that if, if only people didn't sin, this world would be amazing, wouldn't it? be absolutely amazing. We wouldn't, I mean, sorry, police, you wouldn't have a job anymore. 
A lot of hospitals wouldn't need to be open. Lots of things, even those sorts of things. You wouldn't be ripped off. People be kind to one another. No, you first. No, you first. Let me pay. No, let me pay. <laughs> you know, it'd be like that. The generous heart of people would be released. But guess what? Through Jesus Christ, that can be released in us. But the point as we read through both of those things there is that, what's it say there? Christ's one act of righteousness brings what? A right relationship with God. New life for everyone. It's about right relationship. And even for us as Christians, when we look at it, it's like, why did, why did Jesus die? To reconcile us. That was the reconciliation. In other words, we have been made right again with God and that is also our purpose in life as Christians is to reconcile other people with God. That's what it said, the ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of condemnation. Because let's face it, we were all condemned, really. The difference is that grace has opened the door for right relationship, but we need not walk through that door if we don't want to. You know that's true in your life. There's many times when God's spoken to you and he said, hey, listen, I'm giving you the, the opportunity for change to happen. And you look at that open door that is grace, which, which is often termed as undeserved favour of God, which is exactly what it is, that even though we don't deserve it, the door is open and we can look at it and we can either walk through that door and take advantage of what God has done or we can walk away and leave that door open but walk back into darkness so very easily. I thought about that in the light of a prisoner. Grace is extend to so many prisoners. What do I mean by that? Well, they're in jail. They've done something wrong. They're, they're, they've done something in the community that has damaged people, that's damaged uh, relationships, maybe even killed someone. Who knows what it is? But often, have you ever heard of that term parole? They're let out of jail. They're given an opportunity by the community, us, a grace opportunity to say, listen, we are going to put some trust that you might make right decisions now after you have served this much time. Grace is releasing you out of prison so that you might make a good choice. You might make a good choice. And really, that is the essence of grace in terms of forgiveness for our life. And grace is far more powerful than that, and we're going to look at that as well. But firstly, grace is given so that we can be forgiven of our sin. Undeserved favour. We didn't deserve it, but God made a way so that we could get forgiven. And it's almost as if, if it's the same words that are being said to us, listen, I've opened the door. Are you going to walk through it? Are you going to accept my forgiveness? So that I am giving you an opportunity now as a person not trapped by sin anymore, because that is important to understand, that we, we are not trapped by sin anymore. But before I was a Christian, I was. But now I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a right choice. Why? Because sin no longer has any power over you because the death of Jesus Christ took that sin and here's the open door 
Now, we know that many choose not to take that. Many choose to deny Christ, to deny the death, to deny the resurrection and live their own life still. But for every person in the world, even if you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, there's an open door to the Father. It was open through the cross and that cross has built a bridge between where you were to where God is to bring you into his presence. Why? Because he wants you to take advantage further of the grace that is offered to you. Not just your forgiveness, but to understand grace is far more powerful, far more powerful than that. That first grace the bridge to God. Let's look at our next slides. Now, this is... No, no, you're right, you're right. Go back. (laughs) Go back, I think. Is that the first one? Grace, yeah, that's the one. That's it, Dave. Spot on, mate. (laughs) All right, this is just a bit of a definition that comes out from if you want to study up grace. But I love it. And, and it's a little bit sort of wordy, but we'll break it down a little bit. Grace, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness and favour, of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. What is due to grace? The spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace, the token or proof of grace, benefit, a gift of grace, benefit, bounty, thanks, that comes from grace, service, favours, recompense, reward. Now, why have I put that up there? I think because often as Christians, we think of grace as just that first step, God's opened the door. And what can happen if we just stop there is that we can start to believe that we can do anything we want and that's all that grace is about. We can still sin. We can still do the things we want to do, yet God will still forgive us every single time. But when we start to walk in the truth of grace, it is far, far more. I'd like to go back to the one before that, Dave. Let's give you a bit of a workout today. The second part of that, I want you to look at that and think about it. The merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence upon your soul. Grace is not just to save you. Grace provides an influence on your soul. It's exerting a holy influence on your soul. So when you understand grace, it's not just about being forgiven... Grace is now walking into a holiness of God. As the verse we read before said, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature, that, that now there is a different influence working on your soul. It is not the influence of the world. It is not the influence of sin. It is the influence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit acting on your soul. That is grace. That God in his grace would not just leave us alone, but through his undeserved favour, he would pour out this blessing on us that we could live holy lives. 
turns them to Christ. In other words, grace keeps us from looking backwards, but turns our heart towards Jesus. It keeps us, it strengthens us, and it increases our Christian faith. So for a person to say, I'm walking in grace, and to continue to live in sin, means that you are not walking in grace, because grace exerts this power on your soul that will keep you, and it will strengthen you. When you're weak, it's God's grace that actually gives you strength. When you're facing a trial, it's God's grace, His undeserved favour, that acts on your behalf so that you can be strengthened in that time. Grace increases you in your Christian faith. Why is that? Because again, it's the Holy Spirit that reveals God to you. It's not your own work. It's not your own smartness. It's not your level of knowledge of the Scriptures. Though that does help. But it's this knowledge of Christ that is acting on your heart. But not only that, what else grace does is increase your affection for God and for others and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. What does that mean? What is a Christian virtue? How about we think it like this? How should a Christian act? If you want to know that, ask someone who's not a Christian. They'll tell you what you should be doing. (laughs) In other words, the things that are inherent or that are living in our soul, it is the grace of God that allows us to act that way. What do you mean? When we understand the grace of God, we go, I've been forgiven, so I need to forgive. I've been given much, so I need to give. I've been loved deeply, so I need to love deeply. God's kindness has been extended to me, so I must extend it to others. That's what it means. That that when we are, are growing in grace, which is something we need to do, when we understand what grace does, it releases us and lets us be a Christian. Let's us live the way we should live. Firstly, because grace opens the door for us to be forgiven and for us to get the power of sin off our life. But once that's gone, grace opens the door through the free gift of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us internally, to show us things that we need to know. Grace allows us to understand God's heart towards us so that our heart can change towards others. Grace strengthens us when we are weak so we can be strong. Grace, God's grace, is undeserved favour. And we do need to understand that. That is something that we didn't deserve. Our salvation, everything we have, we did not deserve it. As the Bible says, that it is a free gift of grace. We did nothing to earn it, which is why not anyone here can boast about how good they are. 
Because when grace comes in, we realize that we are broken, we are empty, we are useless vessels until God fills us with his power. The exercising of God on your soul. Have you opened up to that part of grace yet? Have you got someone in your life that you do not forgive? Is there someone who you hate? Have you opened up to grace, his undeserved favour, that even though you cannot do it humanly, his power comes to allow you to do that? Have you done that? There's a parable that Jesus said about a guy who owed a lot of money. He was dragged before this guy and he said, if you don't pay me back, I'm going to throw you in jail, I'm going to sell your wife, your kids, everything you have, and I'm going to take everything. He pleaded for that forgiveness. Forgive me, let me go. The rich ruler said, yep, I'll do that. That was mercy, that was grace. He opened the door, the opportunity for him to take part in what he'd done. Walking down the street, he bumps into someone who owed him 10 bucks, basically. He demanded that back. You better give it to me, otherwise you're going to jail. And he dragged him out so that he could be punished for not paying him back. Of course, the rich ruler was very angry when he heard that. <laughs> and you can imagine the consequences. But you see, that understanding of grace was not with that man. Have you been forgiven much? Have you? Come on. I, I think so. What grace does is open your eyes that you can be like God, but also give you the strength that you can be like God. You are not God. But his character, his heart begins to flow through you, and so the proper response of that man should have been, wow, I got forgiven quite a lot just then. That 10 bucks, mate, don't worry about it. And there's times in your life when you are going to need the grace of God for certain things. One of the problems is that when we do something wrong or when we're falling short of God, we tend to do what Adam and Eve did in that garden. The question that was thrown out before from Alison, where are you? You see, God knew that they'd sinned already before him when they took that tree, uh, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He already knew they'd sinned. He didn't come, first of all, with the... You've been naughty people. He came first with the relationship has been destroyed. Where are you? And we do it all the time, don't we? When we're not in fellowship with God, when we do the wrong thing or acting the right way, what's our tendency? Let me hide from you, God. Let me hide, let me run away, let me withdraw, let me not come to you, God, because obviously I've let you down, I'm no good, I'm bad, and, and all of a sudden we've come under these rules and expectations that we should have. 
And God is just saying, where are you? Come on. Let's look at the verse that talks about that, Hebrews 4, 16. So then, sorry, 4, 14 to 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, in other versions that would say the throne of grace, where we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Christians, to obtain this grace, we don't run away, we run to that throne room of grace. We need to understand that when we need it the most... When we need his help to overcome a temptation, when we need his help to overcome a sin, when we need his help to, to act in the right way, when we feel like we can't, instead of running away and hiding, where are we meant to run? To him. To his throne room of grace, where we will receive abundantly whatever we need as long as we run to him. Sometimes we struggle in our Christian life because we are running from him, not to him. And we are not finding the help that we need because we haven't run towards him. And we need to grow in that grace. So what do we do to grow in grace? Let's have a look at a couple of verses in Peter. 2 Peter 1-2. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you what? Grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, all glory to him both now and forever. Amen. You see, grace is something that we grow in. It's not a stagnant, one-time thing. And I think we grow in grace more and more when we know God more and we know Jesus more. How? Not because we gain head knowledge of who they are, but we understand how much we are loved, how much we are forgiven, how much we are strengthened, how much we are helped by him. What do you reckon? I reckon. Because his heart comes through. And what happens to our heart? We're like, <laughs> the knowledge I have now is that you love me so much, that you forgave me so much, that you helped me so much. And as that knowledge grows, what happens to us? I think Paul said it very well in one of his letters. When I think of all these things, I fall down on my knees. When I think of all these things, I fall down on my knees. And that is exactly what begins to happen. When we grow in the knowledge of God, we fall down on our knees before our Lord Jesus Christ. And we just thank him. That's the knowledge of God. That's the knowledge of Jesus. Not a head knowledge, but an understanding 
of the character of God who is love and God who extended grace to us to open the door. The question this morning for us, whether you're saved today or not, is are you going to walk through that door? The first thing I'd say is if you are not a Christian this morning, you need to come in through. Jesus died for your sin. He rose again so that you could have new life. And How do you receive that? You ask him to come in. I'll pray a prayer for that this morning. But many of us sitting here this morning, (laughs) will go, well, I can't forgive. God's opened that door of grace. I can't stop hating. God's opened the door of grace. I can't stop sinning. God's opened the door of grace. Are you going to walk through it today? Am I going to walk through it? Remember this, it's about one thing, relationship. Now perhaps that's you this morning, you've never received Jesus. I'm going to pray right now and ask you to pray with me and just ask him into your life. You don't deserve God's forgiveness. None of us do. That's not the point. He sent his son to die for everyone. And that includes you this morning. If you're feeling trapped, if you're feeling like you just cannot make it in this life, Jesus is the way. He's the answer. It's going to give you the opportunity to ask him into your life right now. Just pray with me. Father God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I haven't been walking with you. Today I want you to come into my life. I want that relationship to be restored with you. Forgive me. I thank you that Jesus died for my sin and he took that sin on the cross. Come into my life from this day on. I just want to live for you. Now perhaps there's other things in your life where you just need God's grace. You need that divine, holy influence on your life. Maybe the Christian virtues aren't showing in your life and you're like, I'm a bad Christian. Can I just ask you this morning, we're just going to pray that you run through that open door and grab hold of him and just watch your life change this morning. I just pray for that. Father, anyone who's here today, Lord, who's struggling, that, that thinks they're not good enough for you, Lord, remind them today that you sent Jesus even when they were your enemy. And Lord, now that we're your friends, now that we're your children, so much more that you have for us. I pray for that holy, divine influence on their lives right now so that they would be strengthened to carry out your task and to do your will on earth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Front's open here for prayer. Anyone who wants prayer for anything, healing, family, anything. Um, Perhaps this morning you've prayed and asked Jesus into your life, but you want someone to pray with you, please come up and, and we'll pray with you. But otherwise, just remember, guys, don't run away from God. Run to him. That's what grace is all about. Open door. It's just a matter of walking through or not. That's our choice, not his. 
He made the way through Jesus.